0: I take a breath and end the storytelling and the teachings. And for those who wish, we can do a little dialogue, the Q&A.
1: Hi there. Hi there. Who's this? Hey, uh, my name is Brett. Hi, Brett. Where are you? Um, I'm in the Bay Area, so I'm Great. experiencing the... Uh,
0: the smoke?
1: The smoke, although we have a, a little bit of clear skies at the moment, so we'll take what we can. I had a, a sort of a two-part questions slash thought, um, and I, I was curious, uh, what strategies do you like to use or suggest to step out from the suffering and or pain. And and second to that, while working on the here and now, how do you uh, handle the loneliness that comes along with that practice where others around you are not connected to the here and now? Mm -hmm.
0: Beautiful, deep questions. You know, let me start with loneliness, because you speak of a kind of spiritual loneliness when others around you aren't connected. What do you do with it? How do you handle it? What have you learned?
1: You know, I I, I just handle it, I guess, is the way that I do it. And, and I think second to that, um, <clears throat> I find that... Uh, you look around you and, and children sort of are your you know my children they they get it they're sort of born with it and, yeah. and adults kind of lose it um, and so I, I, I maybe I intellectually process what's actually happening uh, to deal with the loneliness um, as opposed to trying to fight it but I'm always looking for different perspectives
0: so first I love your answer and I can see however old you are your children and mine I remember I I remember when my daughter was really little and I would take her around and introduce her. This is an oak tree, you know, and this mm-hmm. is the fence. And this is, you know, that's the moon. And we were walking one day around the block. She could speak then. She was like two, two and a half. And she mm-hmm. said, Daddy, the moon is following us. How can it do that? You know? Yeah. And i thought, like, whoa, she's right. Wherever I went, it was following me. So I love that you said that. And you're kind of reminding everyone that we have within us, that original child of the spirit, that innocence. So you look Mm -hmm. for the reminders and they're right there with you and then Mm -hmm. you handle it. And I'd like to rephrase it because loneliness is part of being human. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody who hasn't experienced it. I'm a twin. I used it because loneliness has been a hard thing for me. I used to say to my twin brother, I think I was born as a twin because I didn't want to be lonely. You know, or Mm -hmm. I thought I'd get married and then I wouldn't feel lonely. It was a good idea, but it's not true because it's a part of being human. So then handling it to me means acknowledging it and not trying to fix it, Mm -hmm. but holding it with compassion and saying, yes, we are born in this mystery of being separate and yet connected. It's like light. It's a wave and a particle. As a wave, it's everything. As a particle, mm-hmm. it, it acts as if it's separate, but we know it's not true. Mm-hmm. And so we have to bear our loneliness. Mm-hmm. And I'd ask, like, where do you carry it in your body? If we were to practice together, what stories does it tell? It should go away. If you were a better practitioner, you wouldn't feel it. You know, you can listen to its stories. You can feel it in your heart or your gut. Mm -hmm. You can say, yeah, thank you for telling me the story. I'm actually okay now. You know, I'm okay. I can feel the loneliness and I feel how many people are lonely. And that's just part of being human. And I'm going to love in the midst of it anyway. Mm -hmm. How's this working for you? Makes sense. I agree. Yeah. So one more minute. Close your eyes for a second and feel where in your body you sense the loneliness. Moe's, if it had a center. And with your eyes closed, just tell me.
1: Probably in the belly,
0: solar plexus belly. Feel that in the middle of solar plexus and belly. Feel what it's like, what's it like? Bit uncomfortable uncomfortable or tight, however you feel it. And now imagine that you could hold it with compassion or loving kindness, loving awareness, not trying to fix it or make it go away. In fact, you can let it open more. And just holding this part of your humanity with great kindness and tenderness. Notice what happens.
1: What happened to it? Uh, It certainly relaxed a little bit.
0: Relaxed a little. The last thing I was going to suggest is I want you to imagine your children coming and tickling you while you're feeling so lonely right now. Just picture it. And it's like they're saying, Dad, that's not the end of the story, that loneliness. Yes, it's there, but here, I'm going to tickle my father. And so you have all this. You already know it when you spoke of it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, enjoy your loneliness and your kids and the breath of fresh air that's come. Take care.
2: Next. So I I think I'm next. Uh, My name's Scott.
0: Scott? Yeah. Where where are you, Scott? I'm in Chicago.
2: Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So uh, I come from a, a really painful family of origin. Um, that even as I've created a loving family of my own, I, I carry what my therapist um, so nicely termed actually today, uh, a core negative belief about myself. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you've written really wonderfully and beautifully about this. Um, how do you suggest working with these persistent feelings of unworthiness?
0: Mm. Mm. So I have to ask you, what has helped you a bit, even if it's not enough?
2: Yeah. I mean, I went through a really tough time this year and, you know, the first level that was just realizing that those negative emotions weren't going to destroy me and that I could bear them and sit with them and breathe through them. And, um, and now like things have turned to more just personally happy times. Like it's surprising that it kind of can follow me even into joy and like that, that, you know, leads to a feeling that it's not real or not deserved and, and I think I set up a lot of defenses like that. I have to kind of achieve my way out of it and, you know, and care for patients and make it a, a good dinner and, and things like that. And, you know, just kind of, who am I without all of that too?
0: So already it sounds like there's been some wisdom that's come in and some love for yourself, you know, there's more joy and, um, you know, less, being caught or believing them, but they're still there. And you kind of wish they'd go away. But, you know, they're part of your inheritance. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> having come from a pretty terrible family myself, it's, it's we get bequeathed these things from our family, and they're there. And your question, which has a lot of intelligence in it, is how do we did deal with it? You learned so far how to be with it without letting it destroy you, how to tolerate it. So, um, of course, we could do what I just did with Brett and ask you, where do you feel it in your body and how are you holding it and things? Those would be good practices. I'm going to give you a couple other suggestions. One is that there is an eight-week online training program called Mindful Self-Compassion, that's taught by Chris Germer from Harvard and Kristen Knaff. It's really good. And I know, you know, you're busy and it sounds like you have a family and stuff, but it would be quite worthwhile.
2: Her workbook is right behind me. <laughs> uh,
0: have you done it? Or are you just having it? Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing. Um, because it's just, you know, it, it's common humanity. It's the fact that not all of us, but, you know, of those cars going by, either putting their hands up or shouting at me, a lot of them had bad families. (laughs) And we can liberate ourselves from them. So mindful self compassion. There's also the work of Byron Katie. Um, And she really does these beautiful practices of questioning your thoughts. Because part of what you're describing is a program of thought that's inside you and um i would listen to her online have her do some of her practices but even if you close your eyes for just a second we won't do a whole thing but if that negative you call those negative beliefs about yourself you're not doing enough you're not good you're not right i don't know what they tell you but things like that and you hear those thoughts (sighs) what's one of the thoughts that comes to you with your eyes closed that's a troubling one
2: the hardest one is to believe that i'm worthy of of love
0: right so that you're not worthy the thought says you're not really worthy of love so that's the thought all right now you feel that you sense it in your body and it's 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 painful it's 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 it's, it hurts now i'd like to invite you to open your eyes and to look into my eyes, even through that screen. And I just have a question to ask you, my friend, dear Scott. Is it true? Is it true that you're unworthy of love?
3: No.
0: Are you certain?
3: <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, I want you to keep looking at me because that's part of what makes it hard and real. Yes. Is it true? No. Are you certain it's not true? And then feel that so that it has a story that was programmed in there. But what you're doing, what you're answering me, no, it's not. Are you certain? I'm certain. You're telling me you already know this as much as you love your children and you see their beauty, something in you knows this is true. And that is what you can trust when you practice or meditate or do your work and those thoughts come you know you can acknowledge them all right this is a painful thought a painful belief you know and then you can say to yourself is it true and remember this moment it's so clear you know it's not true and you're certain of how does this
1: feel It feels great. Um, Yeah. yeah.
0: What kind of work do you do? Are you a first responder? Uh, I'm a neurologist. Yeah, so you have a lot on your plate to tend all these people. Um, I love the fact that you're doing it and that you've made a good family and you look like a really great guy. So (laughs) I'm going to say, you know, you're totally worthy of love.
2: Totally. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thank you. Ah, uh, let's try another.
4: Hi. This is Ileani.
0: Hi Iliani, where are you?
4: I'm um, in Sonoma County.
0: Oh my god, how's the smoke there?
4: Uh, well actually today I was not terrific, but right now it's clear, so yes. Beautiful night. Hmm. And um I have a question about hope. Please. Um, I recently started reading a book that I had been meaning to read forever, and then I finally, finally, finally picked it up, and it's Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. Just barely started it, and I was just struck by how he talked about the people who survived were people who gave their suffering meaning and from them from that meaning, there was this sense of hope, and people were living for something, whether it was returning to a family or whatever it was. but they had hope and i 'm um, very aware uh, you referenced um, Barack that the presentation he gave um, was simultaneously, um, uh, Maureen Dowd characterized it as a, in case of emergency, break this glass moment. And at the same time, it was filled with hope. And you referenced it tonight in a way that I heard um, having more to do with story than with power. You, you referenced the hope channel. Um, so I, I, I guess I just would love to hear how, how hope fits. Um, I have hope. I have hope. I have a lot of hope.
0: <sighs> what hope do you have? Pardon? What's the hope you have?
4: Oh gosh! I guess that there could be less suffering in the world.
0: Yes.
4: You know, when I drive by uh, the animals, as you know, and I see all the cows and the horses and the goats, they're breathing what we don't have to breathe because we live in houses. And um, the people who've who've lost homes sometimes twice over. Um, uh, I have hope that we can um, bring decency, that's a word that's used so much now, bring decency back into our government. So I I have a lot of hope that we will, um, we as a humanity will find the goodness that we are and um, the, the beauty that we are and the love that we are, you know, you talk about the vastness that, that we can wake up. We as a humanity can wake up to that vastness. So I have, I have a lot of hope about that.
0: Well, when, you, when I asked you, thank you for this, and then I said, what do you have hope for? And you said, I have hope. I also could feel, as you spoke, almost as if there were some tears along with that hope that both were true, tuning in, you know? And I think that's part of what hope is. Hope is not a denial, you know, what Victor Frankl writes about, that you actually feel your broken heart, that you feel the tears and the tenderness, and you also understand that there is a bigger story than this, that the bigger story is mothers who pick up cars yes. off of children the bigger story is the mothers who marched in Argentina. The bigger story is the young people who are standing up for climate change and will continue to do so, Yes. No matter what anybody says. But they do it through their tears and through your tears. And that's really where the power lies to not turn away just what you're doing, to be willing to, to see it, to bear witness to it with a big heart, compassion, yeah. and awareness. Yeah and then to say yes and we'll pick the car up. Yes, we will do this even amidst your tears. And I feel both of them in you and just offer you a kind of mirror of respect for that which Mm. you carry. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. Thank Thank you. One or two more. Hello. Hi.
3: I'm Lisa, I'm in Berkeley.
0: Lisa in Berkeley.
3: Yeah. I have to say, in some ways, I feel like just being here and also hearing your last few answers, I almost feel like you've answered the question, because it really oh, has good. more to do with the state that I experience myself in. Um, my question is maybe an extension of Brett's about teenagers. I used to do retreat practice and then I became a mother and now I'm on the 18 year parenting retreat and I I have about five more years to go um, on that part of it. And I just see how teenagers are really suffering right now in shelter in particular and also just with all of the, all the different facets of pandemic and um, especially with the isolation and the turning towards screens and technology as a way to cope, yeah. and even those who have been lucky enough to be raised with mindfulness um, are not necessarily drawn to it and are even averse to it. And I'm wondering, what's your advice for taking care of our teens in this time? And you talked about liberation, so I thought I'd add to that, um, well, what would you say for parents who are trying to liberate while sheltering with teens? Mm-hmm maybe somebody else here has, would be interested.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, for one thing, um, I mean, teens are carrying this amazing energy. They're just so full of energy and vitality and life and rebellion and seeing the world fresh and going, Oh my God, look at what we're inheriting. And it's like, If you're able to see through their eyes, which you can probably as a mom who's tuned in, they carry tremendous gifts. And they also carry a lot of angst. And anybody who's been a teenager can remember the angst you had. Um, And I don't think our job as parents is to fix that. You know, I mean, we want to as a mom and dad, we want to keep them happy and well and growing and stuff like that. Um, Here's the truth. These are teenagers who've gone through 2020. They haven't finished it yet, but they're going to be the teen. It's like people who lived in New York City during 9-11. It became part of the life that they, it became in their DNA. Your teens and our teens and our children are gonna be the generation of 2020 who lived through this pandemic. And it's gonna terrify them and they'll lose their friends. And, and it's also gonna make them alive and strong because they will get through it. And you don't have to do much, I assure you. They're looking and learning all the time. You have to love it. they wanna spend a lot of time on the screen, so what? I mean, you don't have to fix them. They're looking at the world and that's how they'll get they'll find their way to cope through it. Yeah, you can give them suggestions. But you can also see and let them know that they're actually going through this collective human initiation. Mm. That it's their generation and out of it, they're going to learn things that no one's ever learned in quite the same way. Mm. How does this sit when I say this to you?
3: 90% true, and then the depression piece is the 10% that says, but. Whose depression?
0: Yours or theirs?
3: Theirs, but it could be, it's, it's hard.
0: Uh, okay, so close hard. your eyes for just a moment. And there they are, and you're being honest, and you say, when I meditate, when I get quiet, um, I feel how hard this is for myself. I can get depressed because we've lost this and this and this and so forth. So you name it and you say, and here's how I, here's how I deal with it. You know, I realize that we're part of some much bigger story and that this is going to be a year that we'd struggle to get through and remember or whatever you say. What would you say to them, honestly, when you speak from your own depression and how would they respond you're vulnerable and they are.
3: I would say, I don't want you to lose hope.
0: You could say that. You could also say, I'm just going to feed you a different line. I hear that and it's beautiful. It's the mother's wish for them. You can say, I don't lose hope. I live in this and I've seen it. this is more Victor Frankl. I've seen something different. You may feel hopeless, and that's part of what's there for you as a teen to live through, but it's not the end of the story. And you don't have to want anything for them. You just have to tell them what you know. What do you know that's true? Is 2020 the end of the story? You sure? Yeah. Yeah. Is it hopeless?
3: I've actually been pretty accepting of it, even though right. there's okay. a lot How of suffering.
0: Are the other problems—is it hopeless? Is it no? Right. So there's a difference between that emotion of feeling hopeless, which you can acknowledge—you feel hopeless, or you feel despair, or you feel confused, or all of those kind of things. Those are emotions. They come when things are so uncertain. But then some deeper part of your heart, I ask you, is it hopeless? And you can't say it is because you you know that it's not, that human beings are bigger than this and that life is bigger than this. Close your eyes again and just feel the truth of this. And imagine, you know, you don't have to be the preacher to your teenagers. They love that, you know how much. (laughs) But you can be somebody that says, this is what I carry." Sure, I feel this stuff. And I can see it around because you pick it up. And just what you said to me, no, I know something. I know that we'll get through this. I actually know that we're going somewhere else. And really feel that. And then you love them. Say, it's okay. You can feel everything. You become that one on the boat that Thich Nhat Hanh talks about, you know that story, you know, and everyone panics. Well, the teenagers on the boat are panicking. You say, yeah, we've been through storms and pirates. We know how to do this. It's not the end. And it's not. They're the ones that will make the difference. So I thank you. Thank you so much for this. Yeah, Lisa. And I think it's enough for questions. I know we've had of others, but we're almost at the end of our time. And so I wanna just pause at this point with everyone because I feel my heart really full from all the honesty and love that came through these questions. How do we love ourselves when our family taught us not to? How do we get in touch with that which we know to be true? no matter what happens you know what Viktor Frankl found even through the worst that there's something in the human spirit he said that he said he said the thing that I discovered at the bottom of it all is that no matter what the circumstances are how difficult in the end the gift is what is that no one can take the human spirit away from you no one and the, and, and that underneath it all, that this is what our humanity asks for and that we carry in some really deep way. I think teenagers are the best. And the fact that they're difficult and rebellious and stuff like that. Hallelujah, baby. They're carrying stuff the world needs, you know, they are. And they get depressed. Yeah, you've got reason to be depressed. You're living through a tough one. But that's what teenagers are supposed to do. And we know you can do it. You do know it. So thank them. Yeah. And thank you all. I'm really grateful for this chance to be with you, this chance to meditate and practice together and to teach. And um, I just wish you all to find your ways to know that who you are is loving awareness itself, and that you can rest in loving awareness, that you can be loving awareness, that this is your true nature. And as you navigate through human incarnation, this wild time, especially now, that calls on you to find that deep truths that you know, which have been given voice by so many of you tonight. So thank you. Let's just be quiet for 30 seconds. And May we all awaken together, awaken the great heart of compassion and the wisdom of loving awareness, our true nature, our hope. Thank you all and good night.